Welcome to Design Pod, the design and architecture podcast for all creatives, with me, Hamish Kilburn, the editor of Hotel Designs. This series of the podcast is sponsored by Minotti London, the furniture brand which currently has a hot, luxurious selection of the Minotti 2022 collection on display over in its Fitzrovia showroom. In this episode, and I warn you now, it is a meaty one, we're going to attempt to explore the mega trend that is wellness in design. I feel so ready for this episode and I just want to set the scene because we're recording this from the studio which is otherwise known as my home, overlooking the sea. It's a Friday morning here. The weather is beautiful, which you don't hear very often in England, so we're making the most of it. I've got a cup of tea in my hand and it just feels like the right day to be exploring wellness. Now, please don't think for one second that I'm suggesting that this is a new topic. It's obviously not. Wellness and design have walked hand in hand since the dawn of time. But I think it's fair to say that things recently have become a lot louder. So this episode is designed to really cut through the noise in order to understand wellness in design for tomorrow as well as today. So here's the thing with this episode. There are so many designers and architects worldwide who I could have asked to help me define what wellness means today. In fact, our episode with Eviro Lefretov earlier in the series on how he and the team are designing the world's first energy positive hotel is a good start. And you can scroll through the archives to listen to that mind blowing conversation. And actually, to be completely honest with you, every episode that we have aired since the beginning of this crazy yet amazing podcast journey touches on wellness in some way or another. But I'm an editor, so I will edit this down. There is one architecture firm that I've noticed recently that has, on each of its projects, been able to capture the wellness qualities of the location that each hotel, retreat or home surrounds. And they do it in such an unconventional yet seamless way. The firm is called Span Architecture and it's based over in New York. Karen Stoney is one of the founders and I caught up with her hot off a trip from Paris to understand her design process and also to understand how wellness for her is evolving in design and architecture. So sit back, relax and enjoy my interview with Karen. Well, welcome, Karen, to Design Pod. How are you? And uh, where are you in the world right now? Hi, Hamish. Thank you so much for having me today. I am calling in from New York City and from my home office, uh, having just arrived back from a lovely trip in Paris. Okay, so this this episode is all about improving wellness through design. You've just come back from Paris. Do you practice what you preach in terms of your own lifestyle? Like, how does that go? <laughs> I think it's more so than even practicing what I preach. I'm not really sure how to live any other different way. So I'm just really thankful that the way that um, my partner Peter and I have chosen to design and live actually has imbued wellness and uh, has um, had a positive impact on our clients and um, those that get to enjoy the spaces that we're so fortunate to be able to design. Yeah, for sure. Um, and how, how much are you flying at the moment? Are you flying a lot? You know, we're not flying so much. And um, a, a joke in my family is that uh, COVID broke the airlines. It's a little, <laughs> little bit torturous to be flying, but I have to say, hadn't been to Paris in some time or overseas love traveling so so very much and find it 
really invigorating, exciting, um, fulfilling, just wonderful. And uh, practicing what I preach, our, our trip in Paris was very much about, um, it wasn't relaxing, it was genuinely invigorating. Did a lot of eating, did a lot of, you know, we were actually um, partially on, on uh, working and partially on holiday. Um, Gosh, I love that. Saw the most spectacular uh, fireworks display surrounding the Eiffel Tower on the steel day of all days. We wow. had the incredible good fortune to be invited up to Charlotte Perrion daughter's apartment. And it was just one of the highlights I can say of the trip and potentially of like my life experiences to be in this uh, incredibly um, prolific designer that had such a profound impact on um, design in general and um, women's abilities to be noticed in design and being in this inspiring place, drinking champagne and eating macaroons while I'm watching oh, fireworks behind nice. the Eiffel Tower. So uh, yes, that was that definitely made me feel well. Oh, that's so good. Do you think that um, we're, we're I, I mean, this podcast is about design and architecture, but it really does fall very closely to travel because the way in which we travel is going to influence the way we design. Do you think we are as a as a community and behaviorally, do you think that we are traveling deeper? And do you think that these kind of experiences, these one-off experiences are going to be more common um, and people are going to spend longer trying to understand the destination as opposed to just checking into one hotel? You know, uh, we were traveling. Um, my son was actually already in Paris and we met up with him. One of the interesting things that I noticed is how um, the way you travel and what you desire in your travels definitely changes with your circumstances and certainly your age. And I do think that in this day and age where everything's accessible over the internet, um, every possible visualization, um, material object that you desire, you can acquire anywhere you are. And increasingly, I, it sounds a bit of a... Um, I guess it sounds a bit trite, but I would say that people really are looking for experiences. So yeah, one of the things that we did on our trip is we actually revisited a whole series of places that we've been to before. So for example, uh, spent a good hour in the orangerie looking at Monet's water lilies, which were um, have been restored since the last time that I was there. Wow. And um, speaking of wellness, uh, I don't know if it's very commonly known that when Monet created the water lilies for the public, the entire idea behind it was to be able to enter this room that he completely designed as uh, an oval in the round with natural daylighting, um, looking at the scenes from his uh, house in Normandy and the water lilies and the water, the ever-changing seasons and, and really uh, becoming um, having a respite and becoming inspired by those surroundings and bringing them into the city of Paris for everyone to enjoy. That's so, so it, amazing. That's so amazing that back, back then, back, back, I mean, we, we talk about those kind of immersive experiences and those immersive kind of installations whenever you go to a design um, exhibition or whatever, there's always a big installation, isn't it? It's like an immersive space. But 
even back then that was you know that that was the talk and the whole you know understanding of daylight and understanding the kind of art outside the frame I just I, I love that being a real experience and it's only a catalyst recently and, and how, wow that's really made your travel experience deeper and, and I, I mean moving back to design with that has that does that change how you're inspired on the work that you're working on and does that allow you to kind of be a bit more kind of I don't know did you get inspiration from those trips and, and inject them into your projects or is it just something that you can sort of separate from work and just enjoy the moment in order to have a clear space when you are working I would say both that's incredibly well well said and asked <laughs> um you know uh yeah every trip's inspiring it's just it it, it generally um helps uh, both myself and my partner, Peter, everyone in our studio actually travels a tremendous amount as well. We have another associate in our office and she literally just came back from traveling through Paris and saw Versailles, which I did not see. And it was intensely exciting to hear about the small details of being in a place or the sounds, the experiences, someone that you might've met who is having maybe a similar and really unusual experience with you that you wouldn't have otherwise had if you hadn't been in that place at that time. Mm. And, and those are the, those are the uh, evocative moments that I think really um, catalyze someone's heightened experience in a place versus just having the experience that you're purchasing or viewing in a pre-recorded situation or through a book or something that's been prefabricated that you can see online. Yeah, for, for sure. And the way I relate to that is, um, oh my God, during the pandemic, the amount of press releases we were given and we had to, you know, carve them into beautiful features. And it's just so hard if you're not there experiencing it in the moment to sort of capture all the sensory experiences around as well. Yeah, that was that was a challenge, I can tell you, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so we're talking about wellness, but I really, before we do that, I kind of want to understand what sets span architecture aside from others and, and your approach and how perhaps you can start by just telling us um, how the studio uh, was born and how it developed into what it is now would be really fascinating. So um, uh, Peter and I started our studio almost by accident. Um, we started doing they are uh, the best stories. Uh, I know always we were doing um, competitions together. Um, and um, actually it's one of my uh, one of my my favorites is our very first job was for um, a couple that had a small pied de terre in the city. And um, we thought, oh, well, we have one really tiny job. Of course, we can start a practice with this. And so, you know, started freelancing on the side. And um, what we realized is that we both thoroughly enjoyed the collaborative process. We both really, really enjoyed the aspirational nature of uh, working with clients. And we actually attract and work best with clients that um, they're, they're all generally very smart, inquisitive, curious, and, and they're looking for us to help them live the best life they can live, to live the story they want to be in. Mm. And I think what separates us is that um, we're able to bring both uh, a phenomenal logical and a cerebral approach to this collaborative process. We work extremely well with not just our clients, but we also are um, constantly uh, going back and forth with the artisans and the fabricators with whom we work. 
And we're really facile at working at many different scales. So I'd say the bulk of our work is in residential and hospitality. We've done a lot of other things too, but uh, we are as comfortable um, thinking through a master plan for a multi-acred property and how you're going to experience the entire journey all the way down to what does it feel like when you you light that candlestick that was you know cast as a lost cast ice process on the table that we picked out because it um, somehow embodies the fact that there's large ice melts and snow melts within the property as well. Wow. That, yeah. yeah. And has that always been your approach to design or is that something you've been able to carve out since um, having the studio? You know, my partner's my favorite person in the world and oh. um, we love talking and uh, it's always just um, really fantastic. We always have amazing conversations in the entire studio. Um, we're, uh, our studio is comprised of people from um, every uh, nation possible. Um, we more than half of our studios on a visa, and um, different cultural backgrounds, different um, things that intellectually excite them and bring them to the studio. I think that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, and and just as a um, in terms of uh, leading in the studio, do you? you're still hands-on, aren't you, in terms of the projects? And that's that's actually yeah. quite rare because, you know, and it's not down to choice, but so many design owners of, of studios end up just having been, being business owners and having to really think about the, the sort of development of the business as opposed to really sort of hands-on approach with the, with the clients and the projects. Have you, have you found that difficult to maintain as a, as, a, as a skill? It is a constant battle and... Um, <laughs> Uh, and we are constantly um, rethinking how the studio comes together and works together, um, reevaluating, making small adjustments. We had started to grow past 20 at a period of time, and we've scaled back. We really try to stay below 15 in total in the studio so that we can be completely hands-on and yet simultaneously other people can have some um, autonomy. But I would say I, I call it a studio, not an office. Uh, Peter's a professor at Princeton University, and I do a tremendous amount of um, charitable work and mentorship of young women who are entering the design field. And, um, and our studio embodies those qualities as well. We think of it as uh, everyone is in the collaborative process. Everyone has a voice. And um, together, we're going to all come up with a far better solution than we would individually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, collaboration is absolute key. And I was speaking to a designer recently on a on a panel discussion, and we were saying, well, he was saying actually that no longer is the leader in the studio the person who. Well, there's definitely a less emphasis on the ownership of an idea and more sort of on the collaborative. Let's just make the idea the best possible and all we'll work together on it. And I just think that's a really beautiful place to where we've come to as an industry. And obviously. There are competitions out there. There are people who are going up against each other. But actually, collectively, as an industry, I feel as if everyone does want to raise everyone up to a higher standard, which is a really nice place to 
to, to it's a nice thing to watch actually as from my perspective in the industry you work on such an array of of projects from retreats and hotels to residential but the one thing that's definitely the thread between all of them is is wellness and i'm just under, really curious to understand what your approach is on each one um and, and how that kind of makes sure that it doesn't go into gimmicky territory so for example with retail you don't just add a plant in you know it really is down to the materials and the the nitty-gritty of the architecture as well so how do you approach each one long question sorry <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a really great question it's 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 this is the podcast that we're we're creating it is wellness you know um i wouldn't say that we actually really think about wellness per se when we're creating our designs in general we're we're looking at really good design and getting the most out of a place and an experience. Peter and I have always had a fascination with place and placemaking. And uh, one of the greatest conversations we have in our studio is what makes a place? What does a place embody uh, and, and would be special to you versus me? And how can we tease that experience out and reframe it in a, a new way, reconceptualize it so that our design work can be a gift of that place that heightens your experience. So, um, I mean, I could give several examples. I could talk about our project that we did in Hyatt Times Square. Um, I, I would love to, we're going to go into all of that. I just, I just, I wanted to interrupt you slightly just because I, I'm, a, with what you're saying there, I'm kind of interested whether you think that and without naming names, obviously, but do you think some pitfalls in design is that people focus too much on wellness and actually it can just happen along the way because it would just be right for the project and, you know, the materials you pick will just evoke that kind of feeling anyway. Do you feel as if wellness has become that buzzword that people who aren't too sort of deep in design would just sort of go to and then maybe just not quite get the potential of a project? I wouldn't say that in general, good design Good design is good design, no matter what. And, yeah. you know, there's this word now, well washing, right? And um, I, if there's a, frankly, a strong capitalistic bent on the approach for what's being sold, then yes, most likely there may be aspects to a design that aren't truly about wellness. They are about selling your product or sending home a message that the, that someone wants to have repeated and uh, codified, you know, socially. So, mm -hmm. but that, that's, that's kind of, you know, um, I, I'm a designer, I'm an artist, and I try to focus on doing the best that I can do and we can do as a studio. Yeah. That, yeah. No, I love that. I love that term, well washing. I think that's uh, definitely going to be cropping up time and time again in my conversations. I see it so often in the projects I look at sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah. the end sentence. Oh, yeah. And we're a wellness hotel. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I guess, you know, to that end too, is um, also what the definition of wellness is for mm. someone as well. And uh, because the thing is, is that, um, I mean, it's interesting, we're humans, and we uh, have this notion potentially that, you know, we're the be all end all species on this planet. But in fact, you know, we're one of many carbon life forms, and we might not even be the most complicated one that exists. But we have a commonality in the fact that we see, we smell, we touch, we hear. And with all of those senses, 
there, um, there is a compatible string of emotions and qualities of spaces that are going to feel more comfortable, that are going to be quieting or exciting. Um, it's just natural. Yeah, and, and you're right in terms of the definition of wellness is different to everyone and also different to each place as well. And I'm, I really yeah. want to understand and through the work that you've done, um, how you inject wellness in uh, a place that is so noisy and possibly the noisiest place on earth is Times Square. And yet you have created this really just beautiful, tranquil, but fun interior design scheme in the higher centric Times Square. So talk to us about it you, you mentioned earlier it was nature revealed in neon that's just so cool where did that idea come from you know it actually um it came from our clients and we had we we're working with um a fantastic developer who uh, said you know uh, i know this is a hyatt but i want it to speak of its place and so we did a deep dive and started to realize you know started thinking about what makes new york city special as an oasis, not just a place of um, incredible cultural experiences. Olmsted, who was the designer of Central Park and many parks, really believed the reason for Central Park was that it would be the lungs of the city, and in fact was a wellness intent. And so we then said, you know, in this neon, vibrant, overly intense Times Square environment, what is the antithesis to that? And it, it's uh, Oasis. So uh, we, we tried to, as opposed to making just an Oasis that was calm, we decided that we would embrace New York City and embrace Times Square and have you see all of the technology and, and the um, excitement and the visual cacophony in calmer, more registered ways. So you could take it in at your own pace in a personal way, just steps outside of what was going on around you. If you'd like, I can tell you more about the project. Yeah, I mean, if you could walk us through the various spaces, I think, and we should definitely start with the the, the entrance, the arrival experience, because that's the first sort of, that's where the scene is set, really. Yeah, well, really simple. Um, we, we decided that we would uh, have you flow in from the street uh, and uh, arrive at your check-in. Um, and we did that by actually having a ceiling that wraps around and folds down to become the wall surface, a series of metal baguettes and lighting is um, integrated. It's, it's uh, almost like a wave pattern. So you're literally being washed in off the street into the interior of the building. Then after you check in with this wave pattern that undulates throughout the entire lobby, you then are um, kind of naturally pushed into an area like the estuary of the lobby um, of the, uh, the elevator corridor and the elevator area with white lacquered walls, very, very simple, very serene, couldn't be more opposite from all the visual excitement you've just come from and a video ceiling, which at the time when we did this, there weren't a lot of them out there and the video ceiling, well, it sounds like, oh my gosh, it's video. This is gonna be really intense. We actually have um, continuously playing um, looped versions of uh, water, uh, clouds floating by, um, they're uh, abstracted a little bit or um, leaves off trees. 
and it's over your head. You're not immediately aware of what's happening in the space. You actually see the reflectivity on the white lacquered panels that are washing around you. That's a really lovely way of um, injecting technology in a way that is super meaningful and really just sort of invites the, um, the vibe that you're trying to create as opposed to kind of challenging something too much with technology, which is often the case when technology is in injected in, in a new way. Have you seen that in action? So obviously you've designed it and that was the idea, but then since it's opened, have you sort of gone back and, and seen people kind of reacting to this space? Yeah, it's really, wow. um, it is such a pleasure to be able to go back and visit our spaces. And, and like, I'm oh, always I'm incredibly honored. <laughs> you know, I'm always, I'm always honored when people are sort of, you know, they're, they're happy. And uh, it's everything I can do to say, Oh, I, I helped do this with my yeah, team, yeah. you know, must be what, but... you're just probably just sit there and they don't know that you designed it either, which is just, I just can imagine that's just such a wonderful, um, kind of just like a, a pat on the back, if you like, you know, our, our studio really does see, uh, that, um, we all have this pretend, this, this particular talent as opposed to others. And it's our gift that we can give back. You know, when, uh, at the very top of the Hyatt is um, uh, a lounge space called Bar 54. And it was conceived of as the uh, canopy of a tree. And this is kind of the penultimate pin, pin of the entire project and this whole nature re-envisioned as neon. We actually took laser cut stainless steel panels that have That's a foliated amazing. pattern. And uh, because they're, um, they have perforations throughout the entire ceiling zone, we didn't, all the lighting, all the air conditioning systems, sprinkler, everything that you would need filters through the seamless ceiling space down uh, so that when you're in the space, it does, it's, it's, it feels incredibly calm. And it's mm. also at night reflects all of the lights from Times Square down below as well as your candlelight that would potentially be on your tables where you're having a drink or a light bite to eat. Yeah, and it's really important for that space to evolve throughout the day to the night. And that's a really great way of, you know, you don't even have to play around with the lighting. It just does it for you. It does it for you. And, wow. um, and it's as much about how many people are in the space and their own reflectivity and what they're bringing to the space as well. And, um, you know, in terms of wellness, once again, I'd say that it is letting a person, letting a group of people understand a place in a different way and, and ideally um, letting that become a special memory for, for them that they can take with them in the capacity that they want to. In terms of your other projects that are completely separate to the wild metropolis of New York City and where you work and where you've designed um, the, the Hyatt-centric Times Square, um, I want to go to some of your projects that are completely kind of wrapped in, in nature and wrapped in um, natural wellness. Um, and I'm just interested from those projects, have you seen, you know, perhaps a, a new era or evolved era of wellness? And, and how have you kind of captured that to really sort of take it to its to its extreme really, but where it's it's relevant to do so. So for example, some of your retreats that you've designed are, are really kind of, you know, really take you away from that um, crazy world that I can imagine people would check in just be like, okay, now I'm I'm checked in and I'm, I'm in a different space and I'm being transported into now, you know, quiet Zen. The, the pandemic was transformative, is mm. transformative, I should say. And, um, 
really strangely enough right now, in addition to all the many projects we're doing, we're simultaneously doing two wellness barns, which are basically retreats on the person's property, um, and, which came out of the fact that uh, I think during the pandemic, we were everywhere forced to think very carefully about our individual environments. And so while there's obviously, I don't think there's probably many people on this planet who don't want to be well. The question of what wellness meant for them really came front and center. And so um, while it's made our job just that much easier as opposed to that much more new. Um, we work really closely with landscape designers and as I was mentioning artisans, we think a huge amount about the narrative and the, the journey through our spaces and um, everything from, um, I can't mention how many times, time and again, our clients, especially in their private residences will say, um, or, or even in hotels, and you even mentioned it earlier, where you enter and how you enter into the beginning of an experience is the beginning of the journey. And we'll have conversations about how someone wants that to feel, um, how um, a hospitality group wants that to feel, how they want someone to be brought in. And from there, there we have lots of curiosities, kind of like similar to an English garden setting, where once you've had an experience in a particular place, you look off into the distance and you see the next folly, you know, that beckons you on to have your next experience beyond and our and our homes are very very much like that but i suppose on a smaller scale than you know yeah. a grand palatial garden and i think as a result of that there's a massive um connection with nature in in design that's always been there perhaps but now it's really coming into the uh into the mainstream in terms of that's what people demand and that's what people kind of expect and you know that first impression doesn't really start from the moment you walk in it starts at the moment you see the property um so uh -huh. having the natural materials i imagine these days is just so much more integral than it, it was beforehand there just wasn't as much focus and i, I think you're right with talking about the pandemic because you know, as, as I was saying, I can't remember if it was in this podcast or another podcast, but your experiences or, or the way in which people behave dictates design. So we can't ignore the pandemic because everyone was, they were locked in their homes. They were more kind of um, centered or focused on the, the small things around them and the details and how they wanted to design their homes differently and feel more like sanctuaries perhaps. And I think then uh -huh. that has to be amplified in hospitality and what people expect when they're checking into somewhere moving forward. And I think you're definitely one of the studios that is very progressive in this way. And I think the reason being is because it's not taken the pandemic for you to realize it. You've always been doing this. And, you know, we're not the first ones to do it. It's no, been being sure. it's been being done since, uh, you know, mankind started con to construct buildings after, you know, we became a pastoral society from being hunters and gatherers and literally living within nature. And I'm actually really, really thrilled that not only are there so many really wonderful technological advances that are happening with um, air quality, uh, natural paints that have low VOC, natural material integration huge interest in that that you don't see that contributes to your wellness and simultaneously um, maybe a profound understanding that uh, your space isn't as well 
and uh, invigorating and satisfying as it actually could be because you had a, mm-hmm. you had a much fuller, broader life and yeah. maybe your wellness came from visiting a park and now realizing that you can bring those feelings into the space that you inhabit and have that happen all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. in France, it doesn't matter if you're having bread in your home or bread in a restaurant or bread on the street. There is a profound understanding of that bread's been made that day to be eaten that day. And, you know, um, I, I pray that someday the Americans will have good bread every day too. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> we have good sourdough bread here in the UK. <laughs> um, I, I think, well, let's let's take that as an, let's take it further because um, August Moon is just such a beautiful property that you designed. And, and I think what must be challenging for designers, and please don't allow me to speak on your behalf, is that you there's the demand for natural material, there's the demand for everything nature infused, but you really have to curate that space well. And what I love about August Moon is the, the kind of meeting of you know glass which is seems very contemporary very kind of um uh sort of modern but then you've also got the the natural materials as well and it really does answer to nature in a way that is relevant to today's hospitality scene and i'm just kind of intrigued was that always the the mindset when you were designing it 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 happened um it happened serendipitously when we started working on this project 15 years ago we inherited two historic structures by an architect named Robert Patterson from the 1960s. And uh, they were both um, Asian inspired. Um, One was a glass tea house. The other was basically a pool house. And the glass tea house literally is a very diminutive glass structure sitting amongst a huge field of ferns. Um, But it was a folly to look out to the landscape around you. So we decided after restoring those structures that instead we wanted to blur the boundaries in a more liminal way by literally having you uh, not just look at the natural surroundings, but um, have you uh, be inspired to be part of the natural surroundings within your actual home and experience them. So uh, for example, The house is actually nestled within a valley that had very few trees, so we didn't have to worry about erosion and um, disturbing the natural landscape. And because it was in a valley, we decided to uh, make part of the property um, program subterranean so that the house actually looks quite small and diminutive in the landscape upon approach. Um, When you first enter the house, you are presented immediately with this grand massive metal door that opens to a very large glass window that looks right back out of the path that you could have kept walking on throughout the forest if you'd wanted to. And you you kind of cut and weave through the house as you would if you were walking through paths within a forest throughout the entire home. And, and I guess I could say that in terms of wellness, this was a retreat for one of our clients who had been going up to Acadia National Park her entire life and um, hiked, camped, swam, really loved being there, watching the tides come in and out, watching the changing of the seasons. And so we did some really fun things that would evoke wellness for them. Um, We did a beautiful uh, chandelier over the main dining room space with an artist named David Weissman out of Los Angeles. And we picked up um, flora and fauna from the surrounding environment. And he cast these different pieces of twigs and flowers in porcelain 
and bronze and wove them into the cut glass chandelier and the different pieces. Another moment, uh, there's, a, there's a handrail from one floor to another. And we decided that we would cut the um, different phases of the moon into the actual handrail. The project's called August Moon. And uh, you get these beautiful moon rises and sunsets. And so when the light is hitting the handrail at just the right angle, you see all the phases of the moon on the wall across wow. from the stair, which is, and it's a really special moment. And you don't, you know, many visitors will come by and they'll just see a handrail and they'll never get to experience. So it's really, it's really about not only just uh, having these wellness experiences and, and bringing them in, but also bringing them in a lot of like layers so that you're constantly having different experiences over and over in different ways. It never gets tiring. It's always, mm. it's like, you know, a growing living tree, right? It's always going to have new branches, new leaves, new colors react to the weather and the seasons. Mm. I, I could I, go on and on about this project. It was no, it's, it's just such a so wonderful yeah, to work sure. on. I kind of um, see you sort of carrying a metaphorical um, toolbox of, of everything like that's wellness within the toolbox. And the thing is, you can always add to the toolbox, but you're kind of like, you get the project, you're like, okay, so what, what thing's going to fit here? And how are we going to, because the scheme that you've used there wouldn't work for some of the schemes that you've used for the the core club for example but what really works in the core mm. club is the use of colors and how mm-hmm. impactful color can be when, when we're talking about wellness so mm-hmm. perhaps you can talk to us about that project as well because I think that would be quite challenging because it's quite minimalist on the on the outside and then you kind of walk through and there's so many hidden gems that come to the forefront wow that was a great project too you've got so that, many of them <laughs> I thank you um I know every time I'm like oh my gosh we did it again. Okay, yeah. on to the next one. So, um, you know, in that project, uh, I, I also talk a little bit about flow because um, while uh, life is um, a series of uh, unusual moments that you, you get to string together that create the memories that you're going to carry with you, there's also a, a thread that ties everything together. And in the core club, it was, there was a, a, a whole bunch of very discreet programmatic requirements that had nothing to do with each other. We had a screening room, we had a world-class restaurant, we had a spa, gymnasium, a library, you, you know, and none of these things, and they were also on different floors. So what we did in that project instead is we brought together a visual continuity with the chamfered pattern on the wall. So when you enter, you start to see this chamfered pattern, and then it became a visual cue that in every space you were in, it would be modified in such a way so that even if in the screening room where we had a beautifully constructed uh, curtain with um, almost like a galaxy light artwork by David Sally, there's also a subtlety in a chamfering on the wall surfaces that then lets you know, reminds you, I'm in this particular place. And it really was a jewel box. It was a jewel box Mm. that looked in and um, was meant to be a celebration as a club of uh, being your extraordinary best self. 
I mean, mm -hmm. this is a place where I've seen everyone from John Waters to Bill Clinton to Beyonce, you know, I mean, it's like, whoa, okay, oh, this is this is human culture at its height and they're all co-mingling. So um, while, it's, it, while it's visually extremely colorful and active, there's also, there is a, a there is an overall simplicity and flow to the project mm. that we thought was really, really important to keep it grounded. Is it daunting to work on a project that you know is going to have so much attention in terms of eyeballs and people, you know, looking at it? And when, when you're working on that project, was was that um, a challenge that you faced in, just internally? You know, it's not. And I'll tell you why. Because our studio this sounds so corny. We really just genuinely love doing what we do. Yeah. And we're so excited to be given the opportunities to work on projects with our clients and the artisans that we get to affiliate with. And so while it can be intimidating at moments, I mean, I was intimidated to talk on this podcast today, for example. <laughs> no, don't be yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's like, what a pleasure it is to share what you can do. And, I always did um, this and... podcast with a glass of wine in my hand because it's five <laughs> o'clock here. <laughs> I was like, it's a Friday. Let's just do it. Let's just make this wellness. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I was still in Paris because I have a glass of Sancerre in my hand as somewhere. well. It is. <laughs> it is. You know, um, the thing is, you, you get, we, we get lost in um, any the 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 true meaning of what we're doing, and it just it just becomes this really I keep saying dialogue, this collaborative nature, this collaborative mm. process where we're bouncing off of each other and we get yeah. very you know in tune with what we're doing. And you need to trust the process as well. Like it, it works, you wouldn't be asked to do it otherwise. And you know, it's just moments where you really sort of jump in and you feel uncomfortable at first and then it starts and it, they can be those kind of career defining moments. I'm not suggesting the podcast is gonna be, but it's fun mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. But do you know what I mean? When you're yeah. working on those projects, it's really like, well, you know, you, you trust the process, it's gonna happen. When, when I write hotel reviews, for example, I, hate it I actually get really nervous because I, I and the better the hotel the more nervous I get I've had panic attacks like full-on panic attacks coming home because yeah. I'm like well how am I going to put that into words that experience and especially uh -huh. these days when everything's about a transformative experience it's all about being in the moment uh -huh. how do you capture that in a sentence like it's just uh -huh. then what you've uh -huh. got to do is you just got to go home just like don't think about it let it mellow let it mature probably wake up at like two o'clock in the morning one day and it will just happen. And as soon as the first sentence started, and I'm imagining as soon as you start working on the, the brief and the concept and it all just comes together and then you work out who you're going to collaborate with and then they bring things to the picture. I mean, it's just such a beautiful process to, to just trust and let happen. Obviously, there's you a sheer amount of talent that goes into it as well. <laughs> yeah, our studio um, is, is it, it just... Mm flows with talent. We're very, very fortunate to be surrounded by the most amazing people. Um, and, and I think also that um, as a designer, you do time and time again, come back to what inspired you to want to be a designer in the first place. And, and like you said, you unpack your toolkit when you start to get unhinged. And we do think a lot about, it's not just what you're seeing, it's also what you're feeling. Um, literally, tactilely, potentially feeling, not just mm. cerebrally. It's, um, it could be smell, it could be sound. And, and a lot of, um, we do a lot of historical digging. We, we really do research the essence of the places that we're designing for. 
because we really do, uh, we're not, we're not stylists in a, in a sense that um, we, we have an, a style axe to grind. We're very uh, fluid and organic and receptive to the aspirations of our clients and of the places that we're working with. And so even just talking to you right now, I forget I'm even talking on a podcast because I'm just yeah. really excited to be able to stuff. share this. For sure. And I can imagine your, your um, toolbox is now so heavy that everyone in the studio needs to grab a handle and carry it together. <laughs> That's how I see it in my head. <laughs> or, or, or maybe we all have our own little toolboxes and yeah, they, 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 just, they look like the best most wonderful feast laid out together on the table <laughs> that you could possibly ever want to enjoy modular port to uh, toolboxes there you go <laughs> yeah karen it has been such a pleasure we've run out of time unfortunately i could talk to you for hours on this um so you As have to I come back on the podcast you. for sure and when i'm in new york we need to catch up i need to see all these spaces in the flesh and um and we need to go for a cocktail at the the rooftop bar glass of wine on me and thank you so much for, for spending time with me today. It was really a pleasure. It was really fun. Thank yeah. you. Be well. And that was my interview with Karen, who simply blew my mind with the level of depth in each of the projects that she's worked on. I knew the buildings that Span Architecture have designed are beautiful. Their website is, is pretty insane. But I never appreciated the fact that there is a story behind each and every element from furniture to lighting, artefacts to materials, which I think really captures architect and designer's role in modern design. I also loved hearing about Hyatt-centric Times Square. It's the ultimate example of juxtaposition to inject a sense of calm in what is arguably the loudest, the busiest and the brightest neighbourhood in the world. New York City. That ever-changing digital ceiling, the open and clean architecture throughout, and that rooftop bar. All these areas feel worlds apart from the concrete jungle below, and yet Karen still managed to inject a meaningful sense of place. And then there's August Moon, that retreat in the middle of nowhere. What I wouldn't give to spend a week tucked away there, just away from everything. This episode has been pretty project heavy, so to help you really capture the design details, to bring the vivid descriptions to life, we've posted a series of photos of the spaces that we discussed in this interview over on the Instagram channel at Hotel Designs, and you can find me at Hotel Design Editor. We're near the end of this series of Design Pod. We have just one more episode to go which will explore the process of engineering architectural marvels. Basically, we've caught wind of a hospitality project called Escapade Silverstone, which is being designed at the iconic racetrack that is home to the UK Grand Prix. The luxury accommodations will be trackside and they're being designed to, in an abstract way, replicate a Formula One car overtaking. I had a site visit the other day before speaking to the architects behind this extraordinary project. So you're going to want to listen in to the episode that drops next week. Set your reminders and I'll see you soon.